0: Good morning, everyone. Give you a welcome to our service this morning. If you're visiting, we give you a special welcome. This morning, week two in our series of praying the Psalms, and it's Psalm 42. So, what I'd like us to do, I know you've just sat down, I'd like us to pray the Psalm to start with this morning. So, if you'd like to stand, so I'm going to put the words on the screen. Hopefully, you'll be able to see them. What I'd like us to do, this is very complicated. And I'd like one verse to be read by the men and one verse to be read by the women so that we go in sequence all the way through. So have you got that one? The odd numbers of verses are to be read by the men. So starting off with the men, that's 1, 3, 5, 7, 9. And the even verses by the women, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10. And as there are 11 verses, 11th verse will be said by us all. So (laughs) you've got to pay attention and think about what you're saying this morning. So, fellas, you are odd. Now that will, that will be very easy for some of you. <laughs> so you're odd and the ladies are even We're praying this prayer as if this was our prayer to God. We're not just saying some words. This is our prayer this morning. So let's make it your prayer. So, fellas, we're off first. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God?
1: These things I remember, that are all right as I have already told. I am destroyed in the house of God, under the protection
2: of the mighty one, with shouts of joy and praise among the
0: tested God. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God.
2: My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of the earth, from
0: Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me.
1: By the day of the Lord died,
0: I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy?
2: My as my
0: Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him My Saviour and my God. Amen. Amen. Please take your seats. Wow, it's good to do that, isn't it? So we prayed that psalm today. Psalm 42, I've called a prayer for personal revival. And as you've gathered, the key to personal revival that the psalmist says in this psalm is having hope. That's the key. Says it in verse 5 as a sort of refrain. And in verse 11, as he goes through all the stuff, he says, Soul, put your hope in God. That is the answer. So Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 actually go together. We're not doing them both today, but we believe that they were sort of written together. And as you'll see in your Bible, if you've opened it, and if you haven't, you you might like to open it now, just have a look at it as we go through. It says that it's from the sons of Korah. The sons of Korah were a family of singers, part of the Levites, part of the priesthood. And they were generational singers, so one generation after another, they were to be the guys who put the music together. But the words were probably written by David. David was in a tough place in this psalm, wasn't he? Why are you downcast? Where are you, God? What's going on? And we think that probably he was in exile at the time, and Absalom, one of his sons, his third son... Uh, taken over for a period of time and and David was put out out away from his home, away from his family, away from the place of worship and there he was in exile and we know that following that there was a battle at which Absalom, whom David really loved despite all that was going on was killed. But despite what's going on, despite this distance that David feels from God because of his circumstances, David's heart is still for God. But God isn't answering his cries. God's not changing his situation. So David has a go at God. And he does. He has a right go at God. And it's okay not to be okay. God says, it's okay. I can take it. God's big enough to take it. Asking why is okay. Even doubting. But now we're not supposed to say that in a charismatic Evangelical church, which is what we are. We're a charismatic evangelical church. We believe today that the gifts of the Holy Spirit that were given on the day of Pentecost and after are for today. That's what we believe in this church. None of them have been lost, and they should be all exercised in the church. We're an evangelical church because we believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ continues to change lives, and it's the power of God unto salvation today, the same as it was when Peter preached that gospel on the day of Pentecost. So is it okay to doubt? Should we not be full of faith? In church quite often, and we've been talking about this recently, it's a season when we've been talking about these things. Glenn talked about it last week. We can fall into the king's new clothes syndrome if we're not careful. And that is we pretend that everything is okay. When in actual fact, sometimes it's just not okay. And the living rooms, it's a place where people can go and it's okay not to be okay. I feel sorry, and I don't mean that in a patronizing way, for anyone who doesn't have faith when they go through tough times, because I don't know where they go to. And we'll come to that in just a moment. You know, when that man came to Jesus with the son who couldn't speak and was taking fits, and the man had brought his son to his disciples, and they couldn't do anything, and they brought him to Jesus, and and he said to Jesus, if you can do something, I'd be grateful. Jesus said, if I can do something? And the man says, I believe. Please help my unbelief. Jesus didn't reprimand him and say, Come on, you shouldn't have any unbelief. When Thomas wasn't with the disciples when they met Jesus after the resurrection, and Thomas said, I'm sorry, guys, you know, unless I say I'm just it's, it's not for me this. And then a week later, Jesus appeared for the disciples and Thomas was there. Jesus didn't go to Thomas and reprimand him and say, You should have just believed. He said, Come and have a look. Just put your hand in and feel. You believed. Because you've seen. Blessed are those who believe but they haven't seen. There's no reprimand this morning if you're doubting. If you've gone through a season or are in a season where you're doubting where God is in your life. I tell you this morning, if you've never given your life to Jesus, then this is something that you should seriously consider, not just for your eternal salvation, but for here and now. But as a Christian, it's okay to doubt, so long as you open your heart to hear God answer. David affirms his trust in God based on truth, not on experience. Faith, not sight. So he rails at God and affirms him at the same time. And this is the big paradox that is really the point for me of this psalm this morning. The paradox is he trusts God. He talks to himself. uh, He acclaims God. At the same time, he's saying, God, where are you? How does that work? It's a complete paradox. It's almost as if David has a split personality. It's, I believe, help my unbelief, exactly as we've been thinking this week. So, does David still trust God? All the current evidence for David around him is that God is not with him. He's away from his family, he's away from a place of worship, he's away from all he knows. He's got people talking him saying, ha, where's your God in all this? So the evidence really is that God is not with him. Maybe even David's thinking himself, where is my God? And so he goes through this cycle of speaking to himself and speaking to God and hanging on to faith and that which he knows from the reservoir and well that he has in his life of experience of God. But round him, nothing's changing. Do you feel like that sometimes? You pray about guidance. You pray about your family situation, your finance, your health, others. And you know in your heart it's right to do it. And you believe in your heart but nothing's changed. That's what I want to talk about this morning. That's what this psalm tells us and encourages us this morning. It's not wrong to be in that place. But it is right to have hope in God who will bring things about in his own time and in his own way. So that's by way of introduction. This is a prayer for personal revival. David's at his wit's end, and he prays that God will revive him. David cries to God, and he speaks to himself with words of hope and encouragement. God is able to heal us, but the truth is sometimes he doesn't in our lifetime. We will all be healed as believers when we have a new body and we go to be with Jesus. We will all be healed. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more tears. But I can't guarantee you'll be healed today. We believe in this church to pray for people for healing. We believe that God heals today. But he doesn't heal everybody, does he? And I can't tell you why. But I do know that if we don't pray, the likelihood is that we won't get healed. So we pray for healing. And how do we grapple with this paradox that we believe, and yet we don't sometimes see the answer to our prayers? So is it all still worthwhile? Is it just for eternity that we trust Jesus? And David would say to us here, no, it's not just for eternity. It's for here and now. There is a life to be lived, even in the doubts and the pain. Even in the where are you now, God, times. There is a quality of life that's a million times ahead of the alternative. Life in all its fullness. Even if it's not life in all its perfectness. We're going to hear, before we move on, from Nora. Nora is going to share a short testimony about how she's grappled with these issues in her own life. So give Nora a little round of applause. Thank you, Nora. Thank
2: you. Those of you who know me will know that I suffer from migraines quite badly. They say that as you get older, you get less migraines. I've had them since I was about 11 And they've got more and more and more (laughs) as I've got older, so it doesn't always work. To the extent that now a neurologist has diagnosed me with chronic migraine, which means I get migraines on more than 15 days a month. So that's quite a lot. And anyone who has migraines will know that can be difficult. There are many times when I cry out to the Lord and say, where are you? (laughs) How long before you heal me? I've been through a lot of medications and a lot of things. I either can't tolerate them or they don't work. And you keep hoping, but it just goes on. I try not to let any but the worst affect my life, and I still keep going on. I have to, because otherwise I'd be at home all the time. (laughs) I'd never be anywhere. But the one thing that the Lord has shown me over the years is that... I can do something about it. I'm so grateful for the prayers and support of friends and family in this. But there's a place where I too have to remind myself of the Lord's goodness. In First Samuel, when David was at a particularly low point, it says he found his strength in the Lord. Mm. I don't know what that meant. For him to do, I don't know what he did, but I do know when you look at his psalms, his psalms are full of, where are you, Lord? But, and it's the but. And over the years, the Lord's given me quite a few buts. And I've had to learn them because it's no good turning to the Bible in the middle of a migraine. You can't. So it's what's in here in my heart. And the the one that the Lord has given me for now is in Lamentations it starts at verse 21 and it says yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope because of the Lord's great love we are not consumed yes. for his compassions never fail they are new every morning great is your faithfulness Amen. and that's what we have to hang on to that's what I have to hang on to it hasn't changed the migraines but it does change my attitude
0: Amen okay. Don't go. Thank you for that. Many of you might not know, but Nora comes in and volunteers several days a week, several days a month to help us in the church. Help Susanna in particular and all of us in the administration. And sometimes I ask her how is she and she just says, I've got a migraine. But doesn't stop her coming in and doing what she does. So we we're, we're really thankful and we're really blessed by Nora. And we're going to pray for her, her healing this morning. Lord, we thank you for Nora. We thank you for that testimony that really assures us that even when we go through times that we'd like not to be in, you are there you carry us you see us through and lord we pray now again for nora's healing we pray that this migraine however complex it might be medically will be healed and removed in the name of jesus and until that time comes we pray that you'll strengthen and encourage nora in jesus name amen thank you nora bless you so i picked out one or two attributes of David is how he handles this situation, prayer for personal revival. The first thing is his desires. We read those famous words, as the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God, my soul thirsts for the living God. And clearly his desires were to commune with God. David could have longed for home. He could have said, Lord, take me home. He could have longed for his people. He could have longed for his family. For his home comforts. He was king. He was an exile. He could have longed for a restoration. Or prayed for a restoration of his kingdom. And his position. His power. His safety. His security. He may have wanted all that. But it would seem from this psalm. That his primary desire. His heart's desire. Was for God. And to commune with God. Charles Spurgeon said this about this verse. Ease he did not seek. Honour he did not covet, but the enjoyment of communion with God was an urgent need of his soul. He viewed it not merely as the sweetest of all luxuries, but as an absolute necessity like water to a stag. His primary and uppermost desire was to get into that close, intimate communion situation with God. And that's described as our dear, his longing the water. Jesus talks about water, doesn't he? He talks to the woman at the well about water. If you knew it was, who's asking you for drink, you'd have asked of living water. And he talks about water again in John 7. He says, if anyone thirsts, come to me, I'll give you living water, that once you drink of it, you'll never thirst again. So the question this morning is, when we're facing these times, and statistics are right, there'll be one in four of us here this morning, 50, 40, 50, 60 people here, that will be going through these difficult times right now. And we all face them at some times in our lives. I was just talking to Mike this morning. He's making the coffee. And I said, you know, the fact is that every one of us will face times of challenge at some times in our lives. We can't escape them. There's nobody that sails through life without some difficulty to deal with. So the attribute about David in handling this is that he puts his desire, despite all the bad stuff, on longing for intimacy with God. So the question this morning is, where are our longings? honestly. Is it the next holiday? Dare I say the new car? Perhaps I shouldn't say that one. But where are our longings? Maybe we're not finding God in our situations because he is not our primary port of call. We're looking for a solution to a situation rather than looking for God. I know some of you go through some tough times and give me some funny faces, but it's true. Maybe it's our desire needs to be for God. He says in verse 7, deep calls to deep. We use that expression, don't we? There's a sense of which the spirit of David is surpassing his own natural communication system. And the depths of his spirit, his soul, is communicating with the Holy Spirit, with God. It's a new communication system that's put into place. Paul talks about that in Romans 8. Isn't he? he says, when we find it difficult to pray, when we're finding we can't even, like Saint Nora was talking about, can't even pray sometimes. Uh, The Holy Spirit makes intercession for us with words that can't be spoken. It's a spirit to spirit job. When we have an active and current, and I use those words carefully, when we have an active and current relationship with Jesus, we can count upon His Holy Spirit working on our account. This was His desire. And I think that's one of the keys to understanding how we get through these situations, is we suddenly take our mind off the situation, away from the desire for the solution, although that might not be wrong, and we place our desire upon the Lord. That's the first lesson I learned from this psalm this morning. The second, he talks about his experience. Now, David's current experience is that he is in a foreign land, away from everybody that he wants to be with. There seems to be no answer to the problem of the events of his life. As we say, it's all gone pear-shaped for David. And despite his cries and pleas, diddly squat is happening. He is downcast. Why is my soul so downcast? He's getting down about the whole thing as well. It's dragging him down into this sense of gloom and can't see a way out. You know what that is, don't you? When you're in that situation. What he needs is hope. And hope is the only thing that gets you out of those situations. Without hope you're nowhere. If you can't think it's possible. For someone to get you out of that situation. Then you become caught in the headlights. Like a rabbit. And God is uh, David's only hope. The waves are breaking over me he says. Your waves and breakers verse 7. He feels forgotten. Oppressed. He's taunted. And as a result verse 9. He's suffering agony. People are coming to him. He knows about God. He he knows who God is. But people are saying, come on, show us your God. How can you trust in God when all that's going on? It's not possible. Then he looks back. And there's another experience that David has. He takes a look in the rear view mirror. And he looks in verse 6. He remembers now. He says, I'm looking in the mirror. I'm I'm thinking back. I remember those times when I went up to the temple with a congregation, with a throng. And there was thanksgiving and there was worship with a multitude, verse 4. And his soul is starting to get restored a bit as he thinks of those days. And, you know, uh, one of the ways in which we can help ourselves through these situations is to be with other Christians, to be with other people who will help us, to be in a place of worship. You know, if you're feeling a bit that way that you can't see the way forward, come here and worship the Lord. Even if you don't feel like worshipping, put yourself in a worshipful situation where others are worshipping, even if you're not, and suddenly you'll find yourself caught up with it. Suddenly you'll find God sort of reaching down and pulling you up. That's what David was doing. He said, I remember those times. How can I feel so downcast? This paradox all the way through the psalm. I'm feeling downcast, but I remember those times. There were great times going up to the house of the Lord. I was with the multitude. Don't underestimate The effect that your life group contacts, your connect trees, your coming to church. You know, don't underestimate what's going on spiritually in those times. They are a wonderful resource for times of trouble. And then he remembers in verse 6, the time when he was at Mount Mizar at Hermon, where he met with the Lord. And he's thinking to himself, wow, that was a great time too. You know, if God's done all that in the past, he can do it again in the future, can't he? And his spirit starts to rise. We're going to hear another testimony now of a couple who are not here this morning. It's Richard and Annabelle. And just before we show the video, if you can get it queued up. Richard and Annabelle, for those of you who don't know, who are new to the church or relatively new, Richard's our worship leader here. Runs a the worship team and was an elder until just recently, and his wife Annabelle. They were involved in a terrible road accident. 12, it's 12 years ago this May, he tells me. They were members of the church. He felt called to ministry. They went to Spurgeon's College. And then he went to Bister Baptist Church, where he was there for a short time. And for a birthday present, they bought a motorcycle. And they went out, actually on his birthday, on a motorcycle ride. And as they were going down the road, someone who either hadn't seen them or whatever turned in front of them. And the motorcycle, his bike hit the car. And Annabelle was on the back, and she went over the top and ended up with severe head injuries as a result. And they are some of the most valued members of our church. And we're going to hear their testimony this morning. First of all, from Annabelle, and then from Richard, as to how they dealt with this paradox of a situation that's difficult and yet trusting in God. Thank you. Hi, Richard and Annabelle. Great to be in your home this morning. Just for you to share a little bit about your experience through your tough times in connection with this psalm. So I think you're going first, Annabelle, is that right?
3: Yes, it is, yeah. And, um even going to read this as short-term memory has had a hit, so I forget what I'm talking about quite often. At the beginning, major head injury, loss of memory, short-term, loss of my right side. Although I went through down times thinking, why, Lord, has this happened? And I went up and down in my depressed moments, but they didn't last more than a few days. I never once thought that he was not there and that he was with me in the mess. I was even able to share with nurses and patients that if I didn't believe Jesus was with me, speaking words of comfort, I would have given up. I found it hard to imagine trying to cope with all that went on without him. There were many in deep depression on the ward and I took courage that I had someone who was real to talk to and help me face all that I was going through. At first I was bedbound with a lift to move me, and gradually managed to begin learning to move, walk, talk and use my left hand. I knew however I ended up, God would send others to help me, although apart from Richard I found it hard to rely on others all the time. It's been over the years of testing time, very frustrating at times, but I can always take myself back to where I've come from and be so thankful to God for his ongoing healing and love for me.
1: Well, that's amazing. Thank you very much, Annabelle. I hope that's okay. That's wonderful. That's good. Richard? Well, Steve, I've got many memories of the collision. It's quite vivid still in, in my mind. But one thing stands out, that on the road, when I ran to Annabelle and she was lying there, I really did think that she was dying, and that's what it looked like. I thought, this is it. Goodness. And I I do remember, I mean, it sounds as if I'm somehow wonderful, sometimes uh, holy and that sort (laughs) of stuff, but it wasn't like that at all. But I do remember thinking a couple of things, and that was, well, Lord, if this is it, then thank you for what we've had. And I also do remember vividly thinking, you know, I'm not going to start now shaking my fist at the sky, Mm. sort of saying, why has this happened? Where are you, Lord? Because I knew... And I think it's, that's because we had godly parents who brought us up, you know, in the faith to, to learn to pray and to read the Bible. You know, I'm so thankful for godly parents. And then as, as a married couple, we'd, we tried, not always successfully, but tried to put Christ mm. in the center of our lives, praying together and as a family praying together. So, you know, I couldn't then and, and since then really put my fist to the sky and say, God. Mm. where are you well you know i did feel like that from time to time but i mm. knew that jesus had suffered with us you know there is a god who knows how we suffer because he's suffered with us in jesus and god knows what it's like to watch a loved one die annabel didn't die mm. but she was whisked off to intensive care and again we, the family gathered and we didn't know whether she was going to survive the night people were praying all over church in north and were praying and Friends at Bista, church people at Bista were wonderful, but we sat outside the ICU as a family, just the five of us. Ella was not there then, she'd been born, but not, not yet. So it's the children and me, and we read Romans 8, and we just read that. And you know, when we didn't feel we could pray, what a comfort it was to read mm-hmm. that the Holy Spirit was interceding for us, that Jesus is interceding for us, and that. Nothing in all creation, nothing, life nor death, can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. And we hung on to that. So by the time we got to the end of the chapter, we were crying with sorrow Mm. and with joy, almost, with peace. But we did feel very numb, and that's okay. You know, that's part of the natural reaction that God's given us to protect us. Um, So I did feel very numb for a long time. And there's lots to say. And I mean, I'd love people to come and talk to us and hear more if they They want to, because we can help and just tell folks what our experience has been. Mm. But a great help was when a a few years later, when Glenn had arrived at church, Mm. he and I went to the Holy Trinity Leaders Conference down in London. And Kay Warren, Rick Warren's wife, was speaking about how they'd lost their son. He'd committed suicide after a long battle with mental illness and mental health and she said they went through five stages five s's and Mm. this really helped me i haven't got time to unpack it all surely but there's shock and Mm. that's natural then after that comes sorrow and we knew deep sorrow because our lives changed our marriage changed our ministry changed god was with us but there was sorrow and that's not wrong and there's struggle Because you do begin to ask why and what's going on here. And I can talk to folks about that sometime, perhaps. So there's shock, sorrow, struggle. But then there comes surrender. God does bring us to a place where we just say, Lord, we're in your hands. You know best what's going on. Mm -hmm. Then out of that comes service. You can comfort others with the comfort you've received, as Paul says. That's wonderful. But the one that's really, really helped me was that in struggle, in wrestling with God, wrestling is okay. Because Kay Warren said, wrestling is a close contact sport. Mm-hmm. And so you wrestle with God, but you're in close contact with him. Mm-hmm. So that's okay. And you come through those things, not always in the same order or whatever. But we've we've come through. There are days, as, as the hymn writer says, days of darkness still may meet me Mm. sorrows path i often tread but the saviour still is with me by his guiding hand i'm led people have said where is your god why did that happen if you believe in god why did he let that happen you say look life happens yeah but god is with us in christ Mm. in all aspects of life Mm. and i just say very briefly to finish do your best to build your life on the rock. Jesus said if we build our lives on him, it's like building our our house, building our lives on rock, Mm. on him and his words. When the storms come, then you've got that hope of a sure foundation. We're not the rock, he is, and he will hold us firm and steady. Those habits of just reading scripture, the psalm says about going with the festive throng to God's house, keep going to church. Mm. When things happen, Keep going to church. It's hard, Mm. but God's people are wonderful. Mm. At Bista and at NLBC, folks Mm. have been so good. When we haven't been able to pray, people have prayed with us. People have read the word. Be prepared and build your life on Christ. Then when the storms come, you'll know that he is the sure foundation, even if you're going through that shock and sorrow and struggle. He'll hold you in his hand. Jesus holds us in his hand. The Father holds us in his hand. We are, and that's been our experience, doubly held. So when we sing, blessed be your name, on the road marked with suffering, it was literally a road marked with suffering. Blessed be the name of the
0: Lord. Well, bless you, Richard. Thank you, Annabelle, for sharing those deep thoughts and experiences. I'm sure they will be a blessing to many today. God bless you. Thank you. Thanks. Wasn't that wonderful? very precious, that uh, testimony. Well, we've heard from David, we've heard from Nora, we've heard from Richard and Annabelle. The other remaining attributes that I picked up from this psalm, as well as David's desire and his experience, was his confidence. He was able to confidently put his life in God whom he trusted, even though he could not explain what was going on, why it was going on, or even when it would stop going on. His declaration is in verse 9, God is my rock. Yet the very next words are, where are you? This paradox continues. But David was able to do something which Nora spoke about, which was draw on a reservoir of a faithful experience of God. He was able to draw on that. And drink from it, even if he wasn't experiencing that day by day. It's as if like his, his heart was overruling his head. His head was saying, what's going on? There's nothing happening. His heart was close to God because that's whom he desired. He says he could sing God's song and God's love would come. Our faith today, brothers and sisters, is not just based on our experience, because life's experience goes up and down and in and out. Our relationship with God is based upon truth. The truth of what God says he is and what God says he's done. And despite all that's gone wrong for David, he still calls God his savior in verse 5 and verse 11. God his savior, despite all that's going on. He's not saving him now, is he? But he knows in his heart that God is his savior. And that is a confidence that can carry us Even when we're not able to carry ourselves. Just like that child is thrown into the arms of God. As Richard was just testifying there. And the final attribute. Oh here's C.S. Lewis. Wonderful words. God who foresaw your tribulation. Has specifically armed you to go through it. Not without pain. But without stain. Wonderful wise words from C.S. Lewis. We're not praying pretend this morning. David wasn't playing pretend. He says these are real situations. There is a paradox here. But I'm going to tell myself, and that's what he does. I am going to tell myself I'm going to put my hope in God, even if I don't feel I want to. Because I know that's the right thing to do. And the past experience is I have confidence that God will see me through. The fourth of these this morning, you see, in this um, David's commitment. There's only one way for him. He could not choose another way. He's saying, you know, my, my option is actually to give it all up and say God's not real. And my past experience is just a figment of my imagination. I'm going to give it all up. I'm going to try myself. God has given up on me, so I'm going to give up on him. I've heard that kind of said many times before. This one thing I know, David says, I don't care what the circumstances are. My experience of God, my faith in trust in the living God, my trust in his rock-like nature... His salvation is such that there's only one way forward. I'm going to commit to that. And so he says in those two refrains, verse 5 and verse 11. He says, why? He speaks to himself. You know, in when we're in difficult situations, we can't help listening to ourselves, can we? But how often do we speak to ourselves and give ourselves a good talking to? Now, I know that speaking to yourself can be as a bit odd. <laughs> you know, you get locked away for speaking to yourself. no david is speaking to himself he's speaking to his soul come on why are you downcast soul don't misunderstand me he's he's not saying pull yourself together he's not saying that not at all he's saying look you're downcast i understand that soul why are you disturbed i understand that soul but look i want you soul to put your hope in god and he speaks to himself. He gives himself a good talking to. Our deliverance on earth from the situations that we face is not a reflection of God's love. In other words, if we're not delivered, God doesn't love us. That's not true. There's a bigger prize. Lots of things and questions that we can't answer. But it's like the, the man who was healed of, of blindness and folks came to him and said, can you explain what went on there? And they pursued him. And they came to the man's father and and he says, you'll have to speak to him. And he says, look, stop there. Go no further. I can't tell you how it happened. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. It's that kind of thinking that David has here. He says, I can't explain the situation. Yes, I am downcast. But there's one thing that I am not prepared to let go of. And that is, I am going to put my hope in God. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within you? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, he says in faith, my Savior and my God. Speaking to yourself is good. Speaking words of Scripture is good because out of them comes the truth of God. Out of them comes a rich resource and power source that when we feel at our wits end, God's word, when spoken, will come to light and resource us like we would never believe. And David says to us this morning, Hope in God, that is the key to your situation, however bleak it may look. God will never, ever fail you. And this morning, if you've never put your faith in this Saviour, in Jesus who died and rose again for you, this is the day for you. Do it. If you've thought about it and you thought, well, I can't answer all these questions, uh, you know, and therefore I'm not going to take a step. Without faith, The writer of the Hebrews says, it's impossible to please God. If you're trying to rationalize it, work it all out, before you make a step of faith, then you will never, ever take that step of faith. You have to take a step of faith, and then the light bulb goes on, and things start to make sense. This morning, for those of you who are going through tough times, for those of you who have, and those of you who will go through tough times, so that's basically everybody here this morning, David says, put your hope in the living God. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, we thank you for the rich resource of your word this morning. We thank you for David, who was so brutally honest about how he felt. And we thank you for the great encouragement he is to us. David, described as a man after your own heart. We pray that we might be a man after your own heart. A man like David, who despite how far our circumstances take us from you, and how much we can't answer the questions sometimes can't even face the day. We pray that we would speak to ourselves, encourage ourselves in the Lord, put our hope in the living God, who we know will never leave us or forsake us, who has given his life for us upon a cross and risen again. Lord, we pray that we might be the people of God who shine your love through the darkest of situations and know your hand upon our lives. We thank you for Nora and her testimony this morning. We pray your blessing upon her. We thank you for Richard and Annabelle for those wonderful words of experience and encouragement. We pray your blessing upon them and upon all of us today that we would take away from this service your goodness and mercy even when we're in difficult situations.